thank you for joining us. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I was I was having fun with your videos. You have over 400 of them, as you know, but I learned. About a thousand. And you have a thousand now? Yeah, we have a thousand wow. videos. Wow. They're, you are like a college professor. <laughs> I mean, you really are. I, I love listening to you. It, it, it's just really nice. And I, I'm the son of an engineer, by the way. So, um, you know, engineering is in my blood, although math didn't, the math gene pool didn't find its way to me because I, I can't do math. Uh, but first of all, let me, um, Dylan McCurchy, am I pronouncing your name right? That is correct. But your real name is Dylan Talks Tone, right? That seems to be an alter ego that I've taken on, yes. I love it. I, I really, so we had Kevin Butts from Gil, Killer Bee's Guitar, the Killer Bee Guitars on. Yeah, we really we we just taped him a couple of days ago, and he couldn't stop gushing about you. Oh, right on! Yeah, yeah we've done so, a bunch of stuff with him. Yeah, he's super nice guy, super talented guy, and you know we we do on our show uh, we interview guitar players, but we do spend a fair amount of time talking about gear, and I can't think of someone better than you to really take a deep dive into a real specific area about gear. Okay. So, so your, your main forte, and I've seen you talk about everything, but your main forte is guitar pickups. Yes, because, well, that's because that's my real job. Um, mm -hmm. I wind them every day. Um, that's what I do. So we have a, a dot com uh, e-commerce website where we sell direct and we wind, I don't know, 200 pickups a month, probably something like that wow yeah. wow now now one thing i was talking to kevin he was probably right and i was probably wrong but i, I was talking about my fascination with the concept that there was a time when stringed instruments were not electric and then at some point they they were and he thought it was gibson who invented it and i thought gibson sort of became famous or perfected it but didn't necessarily invent the guitar pickup. Do you know the answer to that short of a Google? So there, so Seth Lover is that's the Gibson. That's the humbucker we know. However, right. um, P90s came before that. Filtertrons okay. actually came before that. And in the 30s, there was, I want to say it was either a Rickenbacker or a Gretsch, but I, I want to say Rick at Rickenbacker. If you Google uh, frying pan electric guitar, it was a lap steel that literally okay. looked like a frying pan and it okay. had a pickup in it. And I want to say it was, even if it wasn't Rickenbacker yet, or it wasn't Gretsch yet, it was like the forefather sort of, of one of those wow. companies. And I can't remember which. And I want to say, I really want to say like 1936 or something. So right, yeah, I I don't know. I can't remember. Right. I I have a, a bad thing about not remembering important information because I have to remember all this other stuff. So if I have right. to look it up again to be right in a video, I'll just go look it up again. <laughs> right. That makes well, look. There's only so much room in your. Uh, is it your cash? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so what what amazes me about this is, is that someone some really creative, brilliant person thought, I know if since gu guitars can have metal strings, obviously they also had, you know, got, you know, whatever. Um, if they shake really, really, really fast, which they do, we can somehow replicate that sound, send it through wires and we can electrify that sound. And I think just the fact that on one day that existed, didn't exist and a day later it did, it's just shocking to me. It's brilliant because we all take it for granted today. You know, the, the funny thing is about all this guitar stuff. And it's, I right. think it's really funny because people really want to dive into why a guitar does what it does. But when it really comes down to it, uh, guitar technology is really, really rudimentary and a pickup, all it is is an electrical transducer. So it's, it's the backwards of a speaker basically. Okay. Okay. So when Alexander Graham Bell made a microphone and a speaker, then somebody along the way, and then they started recording music 
And then right. somebody along the way said, oh, let's make this louder. What do we have to do? Well, a speaker takes electrical impulses and turns it into vibration. Well, what if we took vibration and turned it into electrical impulses? It's just a backward speaker. So really as mystical as all of this is, is a lot of times, it's really just a reapplication or yeah, a reapplication of another technology that was being developed. But you're right. I think that time period with Les Paul inventing multi-track recording and right. the pickup and all that stuff, it must have been an amazing time to see that stuff come alive, you know? Yeah, it's it, now you know what you're making me think of? This, I love this concept. So if you take a magnet and you do, the, do it a certain way and you wrap a number of wires on it, you can create an electric motor. Right. Which I did as a little kid. I had some electrical kit and I learned how to do it. But what's what you're saying is, dare I say, resonating with me. Um, because if you take that same motor and you turn the motor itself, then a current will come out of it because you're turning the magnet inside of the coils. So what you're, you're I love, you know, that's the metaphor for what you're saying about mic or guitar pickup versus speaker, right? Yes. Yes. In that's fact, a lot of people will, there is, I don't remember where you hear this term, but you used to see it in textbooks and stuff a long time ago that a speaker was a motor. And I can't remember what they called that. Oh, really? Yeah. It makes so sense. The, the thing about motor is that term, we think of it as like an electric motor, like a Tesla to make a car go. But right. really what that is, is it's the whole transducer concept. It's taking one type of energy and turning it into a different type of energy. So right. with a speaker, you're taking electrical energy and turning it into kinetic energy. With a pickup, you're taking kinetic energy and turning it into electrical energy. Same exact thing with a Tesla engine, Tesla motor. You're taking right. electrical energy and turning it into kinetic energy. That's what motor really means. So that's really all we're doing. We just did a video on this. Um, it just came out this past Monday um, talking about that because a lot of people get, they talk about the building materials in guitars as in like acoustic guitars and electric guitars. So they must be the same, but they're not. They're totally right. different because of what you're saying. That, that's really neat stuff. Now, let me ask you this, because we're talking also, I guess we have to be talking about speakers. So for me, late 70s, early 80s, when I was a kid trying desperately to afford good stuff for my guitar, I, I was told and believed in the bigger the magnet, you know, all other things being equal, the better the speaker. And I remember I bought, um, I, I got some $15, $20 used amp with a, with a bad built-in speaker. And I remember I saved up a lot of money and I got some crazy speaker that had, I don't think it was an EV, it was, it was a more esoteric company. I'll, uh, I forget, not Altec, but something cool, maybe Eminence or something, had a 10-pound magnet or something insane like that. And I remember it, to my perception as you know, a kid in 10th, 11th grade, it turned my crappy $15 used amp into something really special. And as I understood it, the larger magnet made my speaker more efficient, which meant 10 or 15 watts or whatever it was accomplished a lot more with a more efficient speaker. Is any of that accurate? So I'm not 100% an expert on that end of the signal chain. However, okay. from my hi-fi, like in guitar stuff, but from the hi-fi side of it, from like the audio file side of it, speaker efficiency is a massive, massive thing. And I know right. that not necessarily the size of the magnet, but the strength of the magnet uh, okay. proportionate to the diameter of the voice coil and the depth of the voice coil and the weight of the cone and all that stuff. It's all that's a whole nother rabbit hole of science. But overall efficiency, you're right. If you had a really low efficiency speaker with 15 watts yeah. versus a really high efficiency speaker with 15 watts, it would completely change everything. That's why even as simple as having like a blues junior or something and changing out the speaker, it completely changes your life because the amp does come, it loads the amp differently. It right. uh, 
you know, it does, which makes the tubes act different. Like it does everything different. So um, that's a whole nother rabbit hole for sure. All right. I got one more rabbit hole before we go further into to, okay. um, pickups. I've tried a bunch of times to tell on our show the origin story of the Mesa Boogie Amp. And, you know, my sort of 38% accurate version is something along the lines of some guy who uh, fixed amps for a living or on the side played a, a good trick on a friend and took like a Princeton champ amp and put the guts of a marshal inside and said, here's your champ amp back. And his friend said, holy crap, you know, that kind of thing. Is that sort of, if you know the origin story of Mesa? I don't at all. Oh, okay. I so don't we're going to stick with that. I don't know at all. I do know that a lot of those brands, not the legacy ones like Fender, but yeah, all of them were just, and even all this stuff really is just somebody saying, oh, let me take that normal thing that was already in existence and just change it a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. I, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. That's one of those things where, I just don't, I hate to say I don't care because that makes me sound like I don't care, but it's not a place where I put a lot of energy. Uh, right. Is, is that stuff. Right. That, that makes sense. Now, now, all right. So let me, let me take us to, to pickups. And the first question I have, I want to, I want to hit you with a kindergarten question. And, and I think we've started in the right direction. Okay. So we're, t we're taking the kinetic energy of strings, right? So there's, a, there's some P90s behind me, right? The string vibrates, all good and fine, because now we know that it's going to do something to the pole of the magnet. And, and this is where I'm going to not know anymore in a second. It's going to do something to the magnet that somehow reacts to the coils that circle the magnet. And here's where I get tripped up in terms of understanding the science behind it. Um, how does the signal that's coming out know all the nuances of what's happening to the, say, the low E string or the high E string for that matter? That's what I don't get. How does that pickup translate all that? Because um, the string, it doesn't do something to the magnet. The magnetic field, the string in its idle position resides within the magnetic field. Okay. So the way the way I try to the way I try to this is a stupid illustration, and it's not a hundred percent accurate, but it makes it for an easier visual visualization. If you were to you know like the upside down bowl of Jello, if yeah, you yeah. were to just stick your finger in a bowl of Jello, right, and so now your finger is inside the like in down in the bowl of Jello, right? Then right. you start to shake your finger. Right. Then the whole bowl of jello starts to move. It affects the whole thing. Oh, okay. That's I not a hundred percent accurate, but it's an it's a it's an easier visualization than than magic. So right. the string is residing within that magnetic field. So then when it moves, oh. every nuance of the movement then creates uh so like it's it's an ac circuit it's a it's a alternating current it's an, circuit it's an ac circuit yes sir really so, yep so when the string moves one way the voltage travels one direction and when the string moves one way it travels the other direction and travel people are going to get in the comment section and you know electricity doesn't travel but just for visualization purposes yeah yeah you're creating an ac voltage every time the string goes back and forth or moves around so it that is the key so the trick is to an accurate pickup is you don't want it to be you don't you don't want the resistance to be so high uh you don't want the the capacitance within the coil to be so high you don't want uh the magnetic field to be super strong um so there's all these balancing acts Right. You know, because everything affects everything. Um, it is, let me jump in, is this metaphor probably won't work, but is by and large a pickup binary, meaning there's just two things going on, a magnet and coil. Are those the two primary ingredients, so to speak? Because when you say capacitance, 
you know, I think of a capacitor, mm -hmm. but I don't think there's, I don't think there's capacitors per se, like, you know, those little flat pancake doohickeys with the wires. They're not in a pickup, right? No, but the, the, the theory of capacitance is within a pickup. Basically, anytime you have two wires laying next to each other, basically okay. what happens is because quote unquote electricity travels on the outside of a wire, it can, okay. uh, it can be lost onto the other wire okay. in the form of capacitive loss. So okay. that's why a tighter wound coil with more like a, like, let's say a smaller gauge, the smaller the gauge wire and the more right. windings that are on it, it can lose more highs because the resistance is higher. The capacitance is higher and it causes all of that. But back to your original question. Yeah. The, basically it's wire wrapped around magnets. Right. Basically. But every little aspect affects the final result uh, when it comes to the height of the coil, how tall a coil is, um, how wide. So like a P90 bobbin, um, the coil is wider. So some of the inductance that happens in the coil happens further out in the magnetic field. Um, wow. A Telecaster pickup in the bridge is very similar in dimension to a Stratocaster pickup. However, right. so, so you could wind them exactly the same way. However, because it has the metal base plate on the bottom, it changes the shape of the magnetic field. So where in, oh my God. where in the coil, the inductance happens, whether it's at the center versus towards the out to, out to the edge, plus the height of the coil. So if I move, if I take a strap pickup and I make it, uh, 10 or 15 thousandths taller totally sounds different. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, really fun to play with all that. That's, that is the fun is designing so that stuff. You're a cook, you're an artist. <laughs> and it's really like, you know, I thought of, I thought of pasta, right? Pasta is maybe two or three ingredients. It could be flour and water, flour, water, and egg. And it's written. And there are people, I mean, I, you know, I took a deep dive in, on YouTube and, and watched some master pasta folks, and and, and they talk as serious as, seriously as you just did. There's so much nuance. There's so much technique, and and I love the juxtaposition of the fact that by and large, you you're making a two ingredient dish, and and there's so much subtlety and variation, and then how. And this is, this is what, you know, I, I have no clue how you can take the science you're talking about, right? And then, trans, I, I think I know the answer, but you'll tell us. And then how you translate that into saying, I want a warmer sound. I want a hotter sound. I want a brighter sound. I want a more versatile sound. You know, and, you know, you, you're putting all that together. And once you got the science... Right now you have to make something that sounds beautiful or harsh or whatever you're trying to accomplish. And, and I, you tell us, but I, I think I know what the answer is. So, I mean, the easy way to say it is trial and error. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. But, but there yeah. are, there are, um, I like certain magnets more than others. I have certain goals with the pickups that I make. Um, oh, overall, like brand wide. Um, yeah. So there are certain things I I really care about clarity. I don't like muddy stuff at all. So I really care yeah. about clarity and I really care about, um, so there's the capacitance thing. So that's how the right. coil, that's how the wire goes onto the coil. Actually, no matter what wire I use, how it goes onto the coil is important to me. Um, so there's, there's all kinds of little things and there are some rules of thumb, you know, this magnet will do this in general. However, okay. if I compensate the height of the coil yeah. or how much wire we use or what kind of wire we use, I can offset what that magnet is known for and create something totally new, which makes my job on the marketing side very difficult because 
the guitar industry is so like, well, Alnico fives sound like this. Ceramics sound like this. Everything sounds a certain way because you're told in a magazine in 1978. So when I come up with some crazy idea to do something wacky, um, it's hard to tell somebody, no, what you, what it says on paper isn't what it sounds like. Just try it. It's a really hard thing right. to do. But to me, that's the fun part is messing with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I would think the, the musicians who are interested in their art would want to try the, the you know, the stuff that's that's a little different. And, and and let me start with this. So, you know, we you talked and then I referenced the P90. That's one of the very first pickups ever designed, right? Yep. Certainly in the early stage. What's so special, if at all, or is it just that we're familiar with the sound and we've grown to love the sound that it generates? Or, you know, and if you can describe for us the architecture of a P90, and then and then we could talk about why is it so enduring? Is there going to be video to this or is it just audio? Oh, we're on, you're on video. Yeah. Okay. Or you can no. show it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's going to air on video. Correct. Yes. Okay. Because I happen to have an assembled and a partially assembled P90 right here. Oh, this is, now because I'm really old, I have to get close to my uh, screen to look at you. They'll have to stare at my ugly face now. All right. Let's see if we can get this autofocus to work correctly. So here's a P90, right? Okay. Look, yep. The, so yeah. the, the architecture of a P90, let me try to get this autofocus to work right. So the auto, the architecture of a P90 is a quarter inch tall bobbin. Okay. okay. Now so what is the bobbin? Is that just the base to the top? This it's just the um what the mag what the wire is wrapped around. So Okay, okay. Yeah, what the wire is wrapped around. And then under so and then you've got the six screws coming through the bottom or through the okay. top out the bottom, okay? Right. And it's 10,000 winds of 42 gauge wire. That's the way Gibson did it in 1950. They started doing it this way in about 1950. Six prior to that, they used uh, like a pole piece magnet, like a strat, and pressed it through here. Okay, um, before that, but the one we know started in around 19, and I could totally get this wrong. Let's see, no, I had a 53 Gibson one time that had this kind of so in the early 50s, anyway, because I think yeah, the P90 started in like 48 ish, something like that. So, okay, early 50s, and went to this screw arrangement. Now I've got one without the base plate on it. So now underneath of it is, so this is the same thing. In fact, we can take the magnets off and it's the same thing. See, it's just the bobbin with the 10,000 right. winds of copper on it. So now we've got two humbucker magnets. One goes on the bottom on one side and the other one goes on the bobbin on the other side. So this is a ton oh. of magnet. This is a yeah. ton of magnet. And what a lot of people don't know either is that the edge of the magnet is what is magnetized. So when you say north or south, it's not the flat side, it's the skinny side. So oh. yeah, so on a humbucker one anyway. So there you go. So there is your general construction of a P90. So, so is a P90 a humbucker? No, I always, it isn't. Okay, it okay. Is, it, it is a single coil. So okay, then, that's what I thought. So then came along the humbucker. Now, right. remember, we had 10,000 winds of 42 gauge wire on the P90. Yeah. And Seth Lover says, well, let's take two coils. We'll wind them out of phase with each other. And we'll make a humbucker so that it will be hum canceling. And oh, that's where humbucker comes from. And everybody wants to get all crazy about what this means but really what they did was they said well let's just put 5000 wines on one side and 5000 wines on the other side so now you have the 10000 of the P90 and then we'll put a magnet in the middle so instead of being one on both sides now you have a magnet in the middle between them oh okay and there's your humbucker and that's what it. that's amazing and and what is the function of the screws? Are they, are they, they're physically touching the magnet, aren't they? They are. And so what that does is it takes the magnet and it transfers the magnetism through the slugs on the slug side okay. and the screws on the screw side to be magnetic at the top. Okay, gotcha. Right. So like a firebird 
for example, would just take this bar magnet and stick it right inside the bobbin. That's what a firebird, right? right? So instead of that, the humbucker, and really these parts came as a result of just saying, let's split the P90 in half so that it hum cancels. But of course the architecture changed, therefore the tone changed. And when you humbucker something, when you hum cancel something, the 60 Hertz hum goes away, but so does some other things. The mid range pokes a little bit differently and the tone totally changes. And that's why the, yeah. that's why the pickup sounds so different. Personally, right. it, yeah. my, my favorite pickup of all time is a P90. I, I'm really, yeah. And it, I, I say this on every podcast, everywhere I ever go, but I don't brag about much about what I do, but we make the best P90s in the world because they are my favorite pickup. And I love, 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 love them. And I spent a lot of time to get them right. Um, it, I could go on about P90s all day. I love well, it. I want, let's do it. So, so, for, all right, so let's talk about P90s because, you know, the first thing I was going to ask you, and you sort of gave me the answer. Why are they rectangular? And I looked at the magnet, the architecture, not the, the shape, not the architecture, the shape of the magnet. So I almost feel, you know, my kids go to school in New Orleans. And there are folks there who are really traditional. We'll talk about food. If they want to make um, a roux and you have the Holy Trinity for the roux, which I think is peppers, onions, and celery or something like that, right? And and they will respect the tradition. They will honor the tradition and then do their very best to flavor, so to speak, the tradition. And I feel like you're doing that with the P90 because in 1930 or 48, let's call it, with the P90, you know, someone determined 10,000 wines, you know, and, and that's interesting to me because you're, you're, you're paying respect to 80 year old technology, but making it better and probably incredibly subtle and technical ways because you could wine 10,000 coils, if I'm using the right terminology, a billion different ways once you're doing it. Right. Yeah. So our kind of slogan around here is in fact on our website and stuff is don't talk right. tone the new vintage because i like the way i've got a les paul jr back there well it's an sg jr but okay. that's like the 61 63 les paul jr but that's a reissue but i that's my favorite guitar um one of them and i love 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 p90s and i've had early 50s guitars with p90s in them uh played a bunch of them this design that we have is based off of uh it's actually based off of greg martin from the kentucky headhunters um his 56 les paul jr my buddy has that guitar now and we use that guitar to come to the tone because i love that sound but it's all made with modern parts that i can oh. readily get so the idea is everything we make I don't use vintage, quote unquote, vintage correct parts. We do not use any kind of unobtainium magnets or wire or anything that's, I don't use that stuff. I just, it's, right. um, you know, there are companies that do and their pickups are $800 a pair, you know, that kind of stuff. We don't do right. that. My idea is let me figure out what they did, what really matters, you know, yeah. um, and make them that's why we call it the new vintage because it's stuff that I can get, but it still sounds like it's old. That's, and that's the goal. It's, it's really amazing to me. Well, first of all, I, I, that, that, that's such a wonderful, in my opinion, such a wonderful perspective and approach because the, the other route is making this technology inaccessible. Yes. 99.9% of the musicians out there but the other thing that I think it does is it frees you to say, all right, these are my parameters for my roux, but I'm going to make a better roux than anyone's ever made. And I will aspire to do that uh, while still respecting the tradition, but using certain things that I have that, that they didn't have in 1948 or 50 or 55 or 60 or what have you. Yeah. And for me, it's about, first of all, accessibility. Um, even though we make a quote unquote boutique handmade product, they're not ridiculous expensive. Right. So most people that own a made in Mexico Stratocaster or a 
Epiphone, you know, Les Paul can afford to upgrade their guitars with this stuff. Like that to me right. is that's really important. Um, the other thing is, is it also frees me up to be able to do wackier stuff. So yeah, you know, we have we have a few designs like our DAF humbucker. Um, one of my buddies named it for me. Dylan applied for. So that is. <laughs> That's our PAF copy. Okay. Um, although most people these days call it Dylan AF, but um, oh, it's, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, um, I like it's, that. Yeah, yeah, it's our that's our PAF, and I mean, I think in 2016 that got like the top of the top ten in Premier Guitar, um, you know, PAF copies. So I'm I'm pretty proud of that. And then we have. Um, as you should be yeah we have some pretty really good tele pickups that are based on a 66 telecaster that i got my hands on and then our strap pickups are based on uh probably can't even probably shouldn't tell you the guitars that i got my hands on to make those so um but you know the guitars um okay and so it's one of those things where I was able to get a hold of some really cool stuff and make a really cool baseline of, of, of parts for the major models. But then from there say, okay, now let's get wacky. Let's do something crazy. Let's try. Um, well, our most popular pickup is our center punch humbucker that doesn't coil, doesn't volume drop when you coil split it. That was a lot of work to get that right. That we talked um, about that with Kevin. He, yeah. He's in love with that. I mean, it's brilliant what you did. Yeah. And actually that what we did for him was even different. So uh, he doesn't have our regular center punch humbucker. He has one that I designed proprietary for him. Um, that's actually blades. Um, that thing is unbelievably good. Unbelievable. That, that pickup is so good. Um but the, like the center punch humbucker, it w literally came from, uh, you know, the one we sell every, to everybody. It literally came from one day, like playing a guitar and I was like coil splitting it. And I was like, this volume drops so bad. How can I fix this? And I didn't want to do like the PRS thing where we put a resistor in there and do wacky stuff. I was like, cause the resistor is, is that's going to mute your sound, right? So yes. there's going to be some kind of loss if you do that. Right. Yes. Every time you add a component in a guitar, whether it be a capacitor, a pot, uh, whatever, a resistor, right. a volume mod, you know, any kind of treble bleed in a passive guitar, a passive guitar is a completely subtractive circuit. So the string and the pickup straight to the output jack is as pure as you can get. And anything right. you add from there, is taking away from that. It so, makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So to to do this without any shenanigans was a lot of work, but we we figured it out and it works really really awesome. And th again, that is a non-traditional design that is very very popular. We sell I don't know how many of those a month like tons. But it was again, it was outside of the I'm proud of having a product that is not a quote unquote vintage, correct thing that is relatively different than normal idea that people really like, um, which is cool. You know, you know, what's going to happen in 60 or 70 years, they'll be making vintage, correct versions of your pickup. I hope so. Yeah. I now let me so. ask you this. So you talked, you, you got your hands. I think you said a 66 tally, mm -hmm. right? So what is the process of reverse engineering? You know, so you've got that pickup, you know, mm -hmm. you've, you've checked out the guitar, you've decided, you, you know, you, you love the tone and you, you want to reverse engineer it so you can, you know, put, you know, in a respectful way to the original design, make it your own. What do you do? Do you actually like take it apart? Do you count the coils? No. So that's the tricky part. I mean, I've done stuff okay. where, you know, a set of pickups is worth 50 grand, you know, and you're like literally sitting there not wanting to harm these things, but basically taking a caliper, measuring the height of the coil, oh, okay. uh, right. measuring the dimension of the coil to understand how tightly it was wound. Cause I can learn some of that stuff after a while. Like 
uh, figuring out the diameter of the wire, figuring out what kind of wire it is, figuring out, um, and this is sometimes can be kind of a guess, but after doing it a bunch of times, you can kind of know, like the wire has insulation on it. So understanding how thick I think the insulation is on the wire, that's a huge one. Um, Cause there's two different main thicknesses uh, and there's about four different wires that have been used over the years on most things. So Are understand, they plastic or, or painted um, on almost? Well, they painted on, but like the old school stuff is called plain enamel and it is an enamel wire that is put on. It's an, it's an enamel coating that's put on the wire. The problem is, is that the old stuff from like the fifties and sixties becomes very, very brittle over time. And uh, it breaks down and shorts out. So that's why like old Fender strats and tellies and stuff, their pickups go bad. Right. Um, right. So they switched to a heavy form var, which is the same. It's the same inside, but it's a thicker and different type of coating on the outside. But doesn't that affect our capacitance? It affects everything because okay. there's more space now between right. the yeah. coils. So understanding all those thicknesses and stuff, and then we don't use any of that wire. I use poly nylon, which is probably five or eight years ago. If you said I use poly nylon wire on pickups, people would be like, you're making cheap crap because you're trying to save money. But what I'm really trying to do is understand um, how we can use that wire to make the same sound in the old pickups because it's obtainable and because it's serviceable and because my pickups are going to be working in 60 years and plain enamel ones are not. So mm. longevity, uh, not sound that doesn't drift over time as the pickup wears out. I mean, uh, as the insulation on the wire starts to break down, maybe the thing shorts and it changes how it sounds like all that stuff can happen. Um, it doesn't always, and I wouldn't like plan on it like every day, but I don't want that to happen to my stuff. So just, just understand and just getting it. I mean, just getting that stuff is hard. Right. So, um, and at the volume that we're doing and we're small, man. Yeah. I mean, we're really small, you know, PRS is making like 15,000 guitars a month overseas. I'm making 200 sets of pickups a month. Like, Right, you know, this is small potatoes, but it's important, and I, I do still view it as a passion project, even though it keeps the lights on. I still view it as a, I want to love it and have fun doing it every day. So, yeah. keeping that side of it alive is important. Yeah, I mean, we have that overused but wonderful expression: "If you love what you do, you never have to work," kind of thing. Um, but so when when you when you use this product, what, what I haven't asked yet is, so the, I have so many questions. So first of all, um, you know, I, I'll, 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 you know, I have to get my knee MRI soon and I'll look at that film and I don't know. And I'm pretty, I, in my, in my day job, I'm a lawyer and I'm, I review medical records and things like that, but I can't understand when a radiologist looks at a film and they could see a hairline fracture, or they could see a disc is a little out of whack or something like that. So I know what a pickup looks like. I, I, um, I once took a slab of wood um, and a neck from, an, from a classical guitar I bought at English Town Auction. And I took apart a pickup and I put it in and I, used, I literally used a nail to hold the bridge in and I created sound. You know, I did that at you know, 10th grade or something like that. So, but, but I know what the pickup looks like. Um, how you can look at a pickup and have any concept as to how tightly those wires are worn that's like me look, you know, if I look at that, it's like me looking at an x-ray film. They all look the same. You could actually look at a pickup and just see how tightly it's, it's wound. To a point. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I can That's feel amazing. It, and I can feel it. I think, I think it just comes from doing it myself and knowing, right. and knowing when I wind this what it feels like and what it looks like when it's done. And then what I, if I can hold my hand a different way and make it come out a different way and doing that just literally thousands of times. Um, 
I think, think that's it. What's really funny about all of this is you could literally like, there's so many people in so many forums all over the internets and Facebook and everywhere that totally dive into one little aspect of this. And one thing I did not say about the, like the 66 telly, for example, yeah, is I also zoom out and look at the whole guitar because what you're hearing is not the pickup. What you're hearing is the pickups and the pots and the cap. Right. And everything else. So I'm like, okay, if this is what the cap, if this is the cap that they're using. The cap is, meaning? The capacitor, the tone. Circuit. Okay, okay. okay. So yeah. this, if this is the tone circuit that they're using, and this is, these are the pots, the volume and tone knobs that they're using, the value of those, and this is what I'm hearing. And then, because you have to kind of zoom out and do that. And I think people don't do that enough. They don't look at the whole thing as a system right. before making yeah. changes. So that's the thing you have to do also. Um, because I could take this pickup and put different pots in the guitar and a different cap of the guitar, and it would sound totally different. So, or it would act differently. So, you know, when somebody the, the bridge and the nut and all that stuff all that stuff yeah so understanding yeah. the whole thing as a system is important which then gets into the whole rest of the guitar which where my brain goes like with the youtube channel and stuff is understanding the entire guitar so that like the setup and how it feels and like all the things that it does so that you can get a bigger picture of that and then when you go back and look at one particular component you're not barking up the wrong tree when you really should have been looking somewhere else like because i think that happens a lot in these conversations so trying to zoom out and look at the whole thing as a system so yeah you're you are like i keep trying these medical analogies you know you're an orthopedist but you're not doing it without looking at you know the the whole physiology of your patient's body you're looking at their health their weight you know, if you're an orthopedist only looking at the bone, but you don't look at the fact that your client is either thin as a rail or perhaps obese and not recognizing that that affects what you need to accomplish as an orthopedist, you're failing. Yes. Yes. That's and, and, pretty much it. The whole system. Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny you bring up orthopedists because uh, I have a, well, it was supposed to be a life-ending spinal injury. And so I am very familiar with x-rays oh, wow. and MRIs and CT scans and whatnot. Yeah. I have, a, I have two eight inch rods and eight, five inch screws and two replacement vertebra. Um, I broke T4 to T7. Oh my, in the middle. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And five and six were so bad that they had to basically replace them. And so I've got two titanium rods holding me up all the time. Wow. And all your thoracic spine, not your lumbar or your, my or thoracic. Your Yep. I had wow. 20, I had 28 degrees of deviation at T5, which means wow. three more. And I would have been paraplegic. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I know well, a, a lot more than I probably should about MRIs yeah. and CT scans and x-rays and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I bet you do. Yeah. And, and it's sort of the same thing, you know, while your docs are, are working on your spine, I'm going to guess that if you had a traumatic injury, other parts of your body were hurt oh. and they have to be looking at everything else. You know, if you can't breathe, they're working. If your yeah. lungs are punctured, you know, if, if you've got a pneumothorax going on, you know, if you can't breathe, it makes no sense to fix your spine because they're not going to have a patient anymore. You know, yeah. I broke yeah. four, four vertebrae, three ribs and my left shoulder blade all in the same day. Oh, that, that's it's not what we would call a good day. Oh no, it was not God. a good day. Wow. Nope. I still feel it as I'm sitting here right now. It's uh yeah, it was a life-changing wow. situation for sure. Wow. Yeah. Well, well, we're we're all happy to have you with us and able to do the great stuff you're doing. Wow. Yeah, thanks. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so so it's interesting. There was something I wanted to ask about, now I'll ask it in a different context. So from a mechanical point of view, because I don't know, when you when you coil the wires around the bobbin, which I love that that's the term because that's also a sewing term. Mm -hmm. Are you doing that by hand or is there a machine that does it? And then my follow-up question is, are you in pain when you do it because of all your orthopedic injuries? Um, I can only do 
I can only work for 20 minutes at a time. Wow. 20, okay. 30, 30 minutes at a time. This, since we are on video, yeah. is the, the machine that it does it all. Oh, look at that. So basically what you have, what you would see sitting in the driver's seat is this spins and this armature over here holds, you know, holds whatever I'm it's set up for humbuckers right now, but it would hold a humbucker bobbin on there. It spins right. around, you know, at however many RPM. And then this, I hand feed it over this guide right here. Uh, so in other bobbin. words, you want to go left and or laterally. That is correct. Yep. Now the, your lateral action is really where the nuance in your pickup is, right? Because the lateral, saying, the lateral action and the tension of the wire is probably because you can hold ba- you can hold back a little. Yeah. So the spool, okay, sits. This is a five pound spool that's about two thirds gone. So this okay. sits on the floor, kind of like between my knees, and then I'm sitting there. I guess I use wow. my. I guess I use my right hand. Um, and I just guide it back and forth through my fingers. Back and forth. Wow, now do you have to wear a glove so you don't... Uh, nope. Because it's smooth. You're not going to get cut or anything like that. Oh, because no. you have the um, the nylon on it, right? Yeah. Yep. It's it's pretty slick. I mean, you have to be careful. <laughs> There's some days where, you know, if it's really hot or you're sweaty or whatever. You know, I lived in a motorhome full time, all going all over the country for two years and making pickups. And um, so there'd be days in certain weather conditions where you're like, oh man, this is, you know, this sucks. But um, overall, it's no big deal. Just sit there and do it. Yep. And that's amazing. So, you know, so as you're sitting there with the spool and you're feeding, how tightly, and I don't know if this is the specific uh, motion, you you know, and for, we do also have a podcast. So some of it will be audio only. So I'm holding, I'm pressing my thumb on my forefinger. And whatever your technique is, the tighter you're holding it, the more tension you're creating. And that's affecting the sound that some guitar player is going to get for the next 10, 15 years. Yeah. And I, it's funny because if you go on like pickup winding forums, all those dudes know how many grams or whatever of t- tension they have. I don't know. I just know how I feel. Like I've right. never, I've never measured it. I probably should, I guess, but um I don't measure it, uh, but I just, I just know, I just know how I feel. And the other thing is, so here's the weird part. Um, this is the trick. So like we're going to Colorado and then uh, going to Denver in May, and we're going to do three weekend pickup winding courses, and we're going to help people learn to wind pickups and they're going to make their own set um, of pickups which they'll make one set. And I guarantee you that they will make a set that'll work and it'll sound pretty good. Yeah. The the trick is the tension and the scatter and all that stuff. The scatter is the lateral movement we talked about. Correct. Yep. And the the tension is how hold you, how tight you hold it. That are, those are the two biggest things for duplicating it again. Gotcha. Right. So, where one person will go to that class, they'll make one set of pickups for their guitar and it'll sound great in that guitar. The trick then is to do that thousands of times and have them all come out the same way. So for me to do it by hand and hold it, hold the tension, like it's like tuning a guitar by ear. Like you can't do that right away. Like, and some people never really get that good at it. Like, because their tone, their sense of their, you know, their sense of timbre is not awesome. But as they learn, right. they get better at it. And, you know, you get, you get really good musicians where they just strum a chord and then just reach over and tune the guitar up, right? Like, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that, yeah. And it's, and it's dead on. It's the same thing with this stuff. You know, you, in order to duplicate that every time for that consistency, that's the important part. So it's to the point now where, you know, I've, so like on bigger orders, there was a couple of orders and I don't know, November or something where we made like 250 pickups for 175 pickups for one customer. Wow. And of course you want those all to be consistent because if I'm sending a set to Japan, I'm sending a set to Germany, I'm sending a set to wherever I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but those people are never going to talk and find out if those pickups sound exactly the same. But 
if I'm sending, you know, a hundred guitars worth of pickups to one person, he's going to be able to put them in all those guitars and play them back to back and see if they sound the same. So it's really, really important to make sure that we get that stuff consistent and then measure them all afterwards and make sure they're within tolerances and all that kind of stuff. That's where the practice comes in. So now when you say this is, this is just beyond fascinating. So when you say, it really is. So, you know, um, when you say measure them, mm-hmm. what, you know, t- walk us through that because I could see how you would measure to make sure there's not a short to make sure that, you know, they, they work. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you want to make sure that there's reasonable consistency, I guess you could, I guess, measure capacitance, a new term I learned today. I knew the word capacitor, but not capacitance. But do you have something to measure that? Is that one yes. of the measurements? Okay. So I don't typically measure that except okay. for in the design phase. In the design phase, I measure the strength of the magnets with a Gauss meter, which is basically, uh, it's a Tesla meter, which is um, you hold it up to the magnet and it tells you how strong the magnet is. Because okay. I also magnetize all of my magnets by hand. When we get magnets, they are not magnetized. They're just all in a bag. Wow. So, so every magnet that goes into like a strat pickup. Okay. So, you know, like next month, I think I need to make 75 sets of strat pickups for somebody. Okay. We right. have to magnetize all these magnets. So, and get them consistent. So we literally just pass them between two other magnets and we magnetize them. But then I have a Tesla meter that I measure to make sure that the magnets are consistent. So in the design phase of the pick pickup, we take the pickup we were looking at, you know, let's say it's some strap pickup from 1965 and we measure the gauss of those magnets and see what it is. And then we measure the gauss of my magnets and I make sure I magnetize them to the same level. And then we measure the inductance, which is measured in Henry's. So you'll hear the term Henry's or Miller Henry's sometimes. Right. What what that is like a strap pickup is typically like 1.9 to like 2.3 Henry's, something like that. That measurement, what I like to say is that's kind of the overall efficiency of the coil. That's like the overall performance coil. So what's a, tell us what a Henry is. Um, it is a, because I've heard the term, it's a measure of inductance. Okay. Inductance is how you measure how good a coil works basically. Okay. So right. resistance won't tell you anything. It'll just tell you that the coil is one complete coil of wire. Right, right, right. right. And the resistance will also tell you approximately how much you lose, right? No, it actually tells you how long the coil is in relation to another coil that's constructed in the same way. So if if we take two strap pickups and we measure one and it says 7.2 K and we measure the other one and it says 6.1 K and we use the same wire and they're the same size, we can extrapolate that the one with the higher number has more turns of wire on it, thus making the wire longer, making it more. So when when you see pickup measurements in magazines and in catalogs it'll say this humbucker is 8.2k and then this humbucker is 10.5k whoa that's way hotter that's what people say that's kind of a dumb it's not accurate uh dc resistance is not accurate to how the sound how the the pickup's going to sound the inductance with the resistance and the strength of the magnets together gives you an idea of how the pickup sounds so those what is the together what is the sort of the dumbed down definition of inductance um it is it is literally the efficiency of the coil it's how yeah it's how uh i guess it's the easiest way to say it is like the it gives you a relative idea of the potential of the coil to make electricity i got you so in other words if you have a high inductance coil, the output from that eventual guitar will give you a little bit more of a great, greater signal, light, lightening the load of your preamp than one with lower inductance or no. Uh, that, 
Yes, however, this is where you get really into the weeds because that is that is controlled. This is where it's nuts. So we're getting yeah. way deep here, but that's where it's controlled. The what controls that is how many wines are on it, how right. close, how close the wires are together, and the dimension of it in relation to the magnets but here's the thing and how much capacitance yeah. is in there too all those things together because within electrical theory is also frequency so oh. as, as each of those things change the resonant peak of the pickup changes what resonant peak means is the resonant peak is it, it can make from a low frequency to a high frequency, right? Like a strap pickup yep. from low frequency to a high frequency. But there's always one area where it makes it the best and the easiest and the most efficiently. That's a really dumbed down version of way of saying the resonant peak of the pickup. I understand. It's As, best at producing a certain frequency. Correct. That's a sweet spot. Okay. Yeah. Correct. Okay. As you move any of those other things, the inductance, the resistance, the capacitance, uh, the magnetic strength, and the size of the magnetic field within relation to the coil, then that resonant peak moves around. Oh, okay. So that that's the whole thing. So you have all these variables that you can play with to move that resonant peak around. So when you have this pickup that's like, oh, it makes great lows, but it's super muddy. Or this pickup's like an ice pick, like an old Telecaster, like you know makes super right yeah, yeah 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 so you can curve those things and everything's not linear either so like you make a change and it affects some other stuff and so that is the trick is keeping all that straight and coming up with the end result you want 90 percent wow. of the time 90 percent of the time right. because there's a lot of known quantities because we had so many guitars made over the years you know, um, Fender actually changes when they say they come out with a new model, they literally change the pickup recipe for every guitar. So somewhere is some magic book. That's like 3000 different wind counts and stuff. It's literally a literal book with all of it in it. A wow. little bird, a little bird told me that. <clears throat> and they, when they say, this is a new noiseless pickup. This is a new whatever pickup. And you're like, yeah, whatever. It's probably the same as the other one. They just stuck it in. No, they actually change it just a little bit. So there's so much known quantity in the world of all of this stuff that you can narrow it down pretty quickly and be like, okay, if I want it to sound a certain way, okay, let me shoot for right here, make the set, see what it sounds like. Eh, it's a little off. Okay. Now I know what to change from there. And usually I can get it right. I mean, I'm working on a set right now, prototyping some stuff. And I probably, I think it's going to take me three tries to get it right. So, wow. yeah, I mean, um, we're working on actually, I've got them right here. We're working on a set of pickups for the new um, import Silver Sky um, PRS. So, wow. you know, for an aftermarket, like yeah, 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 yeah. Upgrade sort right. of deal. Um, the first set I made, it was like, yeah, they're good, but they're just basically strat pickups. So I stuck them in another strat and try again. You know, time two, time three, we'll probably get it right. Um, but I was able to narrow that down quite a bit, you know, just by what we know to already exist, if that makes sense. It does. And you know what I was thinking about as you're describing that. You know, you you being the pasta maker who uses two or three ingredients. So is your is your, you know, perfecting that pickup? You have ten thousand opportunities per pickup to adjust your lateral position and your tension. So in terms mm -hmm. of the subtle and less than subtle differences, forgetting your choice of magnet, your your size of bobbin, your strength of magnet, all that kind of stuff, 10,000 times you have an opportunity to impact upon what 
you know, what its performance will, will sound like. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, you, you could say that I think in real life, I mean, we're getting right. way into the weeds with all this stuff. Yeah. But I, I think in real life, it's not that complicated because okay. everything is cumulative. So it's not okay. like if I wind for, you know, 10 seconds, kind of the wrong way, you know, let's say it takes eight minutes to wind a P90 and you're like nine minutes to wind a P90 and, you know, for 30 seconds or something, you're like answering a text message and you kind of, you know, whatever it, it's not that okay critical because everything is cumulative. So, yeah. And, and all of this stuff is to say, we get into the weeds to talk about it and say, to talk about what the actual process is, but really, um, you try stuff and you blow it up and you make it better. Wow. I mean, I love that. Yeah. You know, well, I, I come from a power sports background. That's how I broke my back. I used to design motorcycle parts for the power sports industry, for the off-road power sports industry. Oh, wow. And Yeah. And we would literally go blow up a motor and trying something. And yeah, it was a bad day, but you'd pick up the pieces and you'd be like, okay, what happened? Okay. Let's right. not do that again. You know, and this doesn't cost five grand every time it happens, you know? So this right. is just the time investment to, to do it. So I'm willing, anybody who's familiar with my YouTube channel, I'm willing to buy a guitar and cut it apart. I'm willing to buy an amp and take it apart. I'm willing to cut a pickup in half and see what's inside. You know, I don't care. We're, we're just going to figure right. it out. You know, I love that. I've done it with yeah. a Guinness can. That's as far as I've gone. Hey, to get that little see. nitrous thing. <laughs> that's the thing i mean that's how i started yeah. when i was a kid you just you're like what is in here you know yeah I mean, oh it's so it's beyond cool yeah so so i i took a quick look i think yeah we're we're right around at our uh, our sweet spot for our show for about 60 minutes um i'm loving this I, I i wish we could go another hour um let's do this um how do people find you i, I found you very easily but i want you to tell us how to find you and and both your, your channel and your stuff. Oh, okay. So um, our website where you can buy the stuff is dylantalkstone.com. That's Dylan Talks Tone, D-Y-L-A-N. I think that's the only spelling I know of Dylan, but that's, that's talkstone.com. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, YouTube, if you just Google Dylan Talks Tone, I mean, it'll come up everywhere, but basically uh, it's youtube.com slash Dylan Talks Tone. We have Instagram where so the fun part is we actually do some of this stuff live on instagram so we'll actually oh, that's wind, really cool yeah we'll wind to pick up live on instagram so if you ever want to see this actually happen you can cruise over there i try to do it like once a week lately so uh instagram.com slash dylan talks tone facebook.com slash dylan talks tone um and then we just started a podcast uh where we're having guests so um you know, other industry professionals, other, you know, this week it was, uh, who did we have this week? Oh, Blake from the Tone Mob podcast. We've had people from guitar cable companies and, all, you know, to talk about their art too. And that pod, that podcast is called Just Gonna Say It. And you can Google that. I love that. It's on Just Gonna Say It. I say that all the time because I'm pretty I love that. Yeah. over, I say, I'm just gonna say it because I'm pretty overly honest about reviews and stuff. It's probably why I don't get much yeah. free stuff. But <laughs> um, anyway, just going to say it is on the Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google, all the places. Um, that comes out every Tuesday. So um, every Monday we have like a technical how-to video. This coming Monday is going to be the uh, Line 6 Catalyst 100 review. And then on uh, Tuesdays, the podcast comes out on YouTube and all over the podcast land on wednesday we have a news update so we do a gear news everything uh you know the latest stuff that came out that was today what's up with fender i saw one of those <clears throat> yeah 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 so i love that yeah um that yeah. comes out uh, wednesday at noon and then the probably the funnest thing we do is a live stream every thursday night at eight o'clock eastern time and we just interact with anybody who's in the chat um, people who are on Patreon who have, you know, written in early with questions and just, Hey, I have a question, you know, I've got this guitar, whatever. 
um, you know, got a problem. Hey, what do you think about this new amp that just came out? Whatever. We just interact with everybody. And that's, oh, I love it. that's every Thursday. And it's really fun. My wife co-hosts it with me, runs all the feed and everything. So yeah, it's awesome. That's fantastic. Very yeah, cool. Man. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. I, you know, I, I selfishly, I, I had a lot of fun. This is just fascinating. Absolutely fascinating to me. And well, I'm glad to do it. Absolutely. Well, you have a great night. Thank you again. Thank you.